1: We get to have some fun today, right? Yeah, we
0: get to celebrate. So we've been talking for a couple weeks. So if you've been around or watching online, you've probably heard two words, a lot. The word, two words, kingdom builders. Now, some of you know exactly what's about to happen with the celebration over this past year, and some of you are brand new to this process. We started a brand new thing last year called kingdom builders, and this was the this was money we get to give. Okay, this is not our ties. This was not missions. This was money that we said we just want to. Encourage and help our world in all different kinds of ways. And we had about 10 projects, and we're going to actually celebrate those projects and let you know where your money went and how it impacted people all around this world. Even in the craziness of 2020, you guys made a difference.
1: So uh, there are a couple of scriptures, and a scripture I wanted to bring to light was first of all, in Proverbs, it says that a generous person will be blessed, they will live blessed. And then Jesus said, It is more blessed. To give and to receive so blessing is that moment where we are able to share with those in need and um, and we get to do we get to be blessed because First of all, we see that what we're doing is making an impact on other people's lives in a positive way, and that's great for them, but we also get the joy of watching them live a better life because we were able to bless them. So a blessed life is a person that gives, and, and we just want to take a moment. We want to share about these projects and share a little bit about where, uh, what we were able to do together this past year. We have a video to let you know that. Harvest Ridge, I'm thrilled at what we were able to do together to invest in the Kingdom of God through Kingdom Builders this past year. First of all, we paid down the principal of our loan on this building. We were also able to invest and start the process in renewing the old office wing in the classroom. We were able to invest in Harvest Hands, and right now Harvest Hands is serving twice as many people per month as we did before offering food to people in need. Convoy of Hope. We've not only fed people around the world by giving food to kids who have no food, but we also were able to bring a semi-truck here to North Ridgeville to give food to people in need in our own area. Chinese Orphans. There were several girls who were able to go to school this past year because we put them through school. Royal Rangers. We were able to provide materials for thousands of kids in India, Bangladesh, and Pakistan who would not be able to attend Roll Rangers if we hadn't given. Say hello. We were able to introduce dozens of ladies to the gospel of Jesus through supporting this ministry. Fire Bible. There are literally hundreds of Bibles available to pastors and church leaders who would not have a Bible had we not invested. Because of COVID, there were people who were not able to pay their bills and we were able to come alongside them and help them in their time of need. Chi Alpha, we were able to send several students on a retreat that grounds them in their faith all throughout their college years. Backyard orphans, there are children that had no families, that we were able to connect with families through our gift to Backyard Orphans. The Bahamas, they were decimated by Hurricane Dorian, and we have been investing in a Christian campground and church and helping them get back on their feet and restored. Madagascar, we have sent several teams to Madagascar. The last team began working on a church, but were unable to finish it before they left. We sent an offering, and they were able to finish the church and begin worshiping in it. Harvest Ridge, thank you. Because of your investment, we have had an opportunity to change the lives of people around this world. We get to do this together. We get to make an impact. You're amazing. I love you. Let's keep doing this together. So, I get to share uh, what that video didn't include because when we made it, we didn't know the final numbers of what had come in and what went out. So, this is a fund, Kingdom Builders. You give money in to Kingdom Builders, it goes to help people in need, period. And uh, we, we were able this past year, y'all ready, drum roll? We were able to give $95,901 toward these projects. Yeah, that's... Uh, You know, like Royal Rangers International, that's not just boys. Here in America, it's boys. But around the world, that's boys and girls. So, there are boys and girls in countries that have heard the gospel message for the first time because of what you did, because of what you did, the gifts you gave. And and Convoy of Hope, it doesn't just feed people here. There are literally feeding programs around the world of kids that… And we've been there. We've seen this with our own eyes, kids that would have no food, get get food to eat, and hear the good news of Jesus because of what we gave. We made an impact on the world. We did it together. I'm proud of us as a church. I'm yep. proud of you. Thank you for participating. Thank you for being a part. The, and, you know, we just want to celebrate. The
0: Bibles that were given out from... in. uh from the fire Bible. Some of those pastors have never owned a Bible. And the ripple down effect of what is going to happen because of your faithful giving for generations to come, people will be taught the gospel. And we just want to say a huge thank you. Harvest Ridge, you rock. You always do. We love you so much.
1: So uh, yeah, it's worth celebrating. I will celebrate you all the way. So, um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to receive a One Day to Change the World offering, and we're going to receive pledges. These are in front of you. We have some projects here. We uh, chose to make our projects a little different this year intentionally, um, and um, look at these projects. Some of them are the same, but we cut them back to make them smaller so we can increase our investment in some of these. And also, you ready for this? COVID came along, and we had no idea what we were going to need. We were going to need to do some benevolence and some things like that. And it was nice to have available monies to be able to give because Kingdom Builders is a get-to-gift so that when something comes in, we get to find a way. The deacons say, hey, we got this need, let's fix it. And I just love having that attitude and we can report back to you on that. It's, it's an incredible thing to be a part of this. Um, and, you know, I, I just want us to say that um, say as well that your, your regular tithes and offerings are what makes Kingdom Builders a possibility because we don't have to worry about money to pay the bills because you're so faithful in your tithes and offerings. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Pastor Robin, would you tell us how we can do that then?
0: Yes, so this morning we will receive our morning tithes and offerings. And if you are in the building and you want to give, uh, you brought it with you, that's great. There's an envelope, the ushers will be at the back with a bucket and you can just easily drop it in there. We won't pass the offering buckets Um, at this time, they're gonna be in the back. But if you are watching online, and I just wanna say online givers, you've done an awesome job and those who have given online, you know what, in this crazy world, you guys have come through big time and all you have to do, log on, press the give button, super easy. You can even set up a reoccurring gift so you don't have to worry about it or a one time, we really appreciate it.
1: So Father, I pray that today you would continue to bless the people for generations and generations that there would be a spreading out like a ripple effect of the gifts we give have made an impact not only on individual lives, but ripples throughout cultures for generations to come. And I pray, Father, that you would bless those who give, that they would learn that that generosity and that prosperity of their giving is giving them blessings, not only today, and not only joy, the blessings of joy, but also the blessings of seeing the world change through them. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to give today. Amen.
0: And now, I'm gonna ask you to turn your attention to the screen, and if you can, uh, read the directions and count as as many passes of the ball as you can. You'll see it on the directions. Let's see if we can get this right.
1: I can only saw 14. How many did you count? 15. We got 15. All right. All right. Now pay attention real quick. It was there. (laughs) He even beat his chest. All right. So I showed this video on purpose. You can turn this off. Showed this on purpose because uh, would any of you be brave enough to admit you didn't see the gorilla the first time you saw it? All right. All right. So there you go. All right. Now, here's the deal. I wanted to use this illustration on purpose because I talked about, I'm going to talk today about money. And when I say money in church, you already have a made up mindset of what you think I'm going to talk about. I know you do. And, and many of us, all right, so I got in a, I got in a fight online this past week. Uh, Facebook. I, some girl put something up. I knew her from college. I made a, a benign comment. She came back very strong. And so I started trying to talk facts. She didn't listen to any facts. She was right regardless of what I said and no fact would change her mind. Anybody ever talked to anybody like that? We have this com- it's called confirmation bias. And, and this was a little uh, thing that was done. Over 60% of the people who saw this video for the first time didn't see the gorilla. So you're normal, all right? It, it's normal to not see it because when you focus your attention on something, you avoid facts that are speaking the opposite of what you are focused on. Hey guys, if you go to public school, just listen to me, if you go to public school, let me, let me just inform you of something. Okay. There are certain facts that your teacher will not embrace. They're not allowed in your public school setting. Did you know that? By the way, if you go to Christian school, there are certain facts that they're not going to embrace either. I'm sorry. I didn't say that, did I? The, the problem is, is that we live in a culture where we really don't believe what Jesus said. The truth will set you free because what we want is we want our narrative regardless of the truth. And our narratives have become more powerful. That was the problem with this past election, is our narratives were more powerful than truth. And and I just found both sides wouldn't listen to truth. It frustrates the living daylights out of me. Because, because, here's the deal. Truth brings freedom. So when I say I'm going to talk about money today, you have a narrative that you're playing. I know what your narrative is. All the church wants is my money. You know how many times I've heard stuff like that? Really, really, no, we don't want your money. We want your heart. I want your heart. Money will take care of itself if we get your heart, okay? I want your heart. So no, no, all the church wants is our money. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach a message and I'm going to talk to you about a simple truth. And there's one truth I want you to hear today is that money is spiritual. Okay, so we're going to talk about money today, but what I would like you to do, all right, is I would like you to intentionally open your eyes to your biases and stop listening to what you're hearing and actually do me a favor, would you take a few minutes and listen to what I'm saying? That'd be all right? Jesus, I pray that you would open our hearts to hear what your word says and that we would hear it and we would learn and respond. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. 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 So before I begin, does anyone remember the joke I made about the chiropractor? It was about a week back. <laughs> you know, my wife asked me the other day to clear the dining room table. You know, I had to get a running start, but I did. <laughs> All right. Would you stand to me with me in honor of God's word? Let's uh, look at First Corinthians chapter. I'm sorry, First Timothy chapter six. Let me be very, very clear. The uh, the The setting of 1 Timothy helps us understand what's being written here. Uh, Timothy was a follower of Paul that became a pastor at a town called Ephesus. And he was a pastor of the church. And Timothy was not like Paul. Paul was a guy that would tell you what to think, tell you how it was, look you in the eye and challenge you to say anything different than what he was saying because he was confrontational. Well, confrontational people usually are surrounded by people who aren't quite as confrontational. And Timothy was not a confrontational person. He was a meek person. We know that from the scriptures, that he was meek, he was gentle, he was raised by girls. He sort of had that feminine bent to him where he wasn't quite so powerful in his words or speech. So Paul writes a a letter to Timothy and instructs him how to be a pastor. He's writing a letter to a weak, not weak, but but meek, more of a meek, gentle kind of soul. And he makes a command to him. And this command is to pastors everywhere. He starts with the word, what? Command. Timothy, don't ask permission. Don't talk. don't, Don't give them what you ought to do. Command them. Come on, step up. Embrace your power, your authority. Command them. So today, as pastor, under the command of Scripture... I'm here to command you, not to ask you, but to command you. Now, here's what I'm going to command you. Those who are rich in this present world should not be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put your hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. By the way, I am not to command you to be good because uh, there's not one place in the Bible the Bible tells us to be good. There's none good except God, right? You're not good. Anybody other than me, you're not good? I'm not good. I'm not good at all. Do you know what? I cannot deal, I can't change the fact that I have an inclination to wanna do the wrong thing. Right? Don't, Don't tell me to be good because I will never be good. But you know what I can do? I can make a choice with my actions to do good. There's a difference between be good and do good. God never commands you to be good, He took care of that on the cross. Yeah, he just tells you now, do good. Act like you believe it. When you feel like doing something else, do the right thing. Come on, you don't have to feel like doing the right thing. You just choose to do the right thing. Man, there are about four of us in the room that really get this, is that I cannot be good because what I want to do will always be the wrong thing. But I can make a choice to do good. So command them, do good, and to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. My problem with the narratives that you tell yourself and the narratives you've been fed in this culture is it wants to steal away your life rather than give you life. Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full and that when you embrace the truth the truth sets you free to walk into his life that's who God made us to be is people who respond to the truth and to live a life that is a blessed life a real life not a fake life not a half life not an oppressed life not a non-joyous life God made you to live life like you enjoy it and mean it for the world this is good so I'm commanding you to enjoy life. The Bible tells me to. Father, help us. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Before you seated, wait, wait, wait. Before you seated, turn to somebody and even if you're wearing a mask, give them a big smile so that they can see with your eyeballs that you actually care. You know, give them a big smile and tell them hi today, all right? So this direct command to pastors is to command the rich people a series of, of things. So let's just handle this, who are rich people? Does anybody know anybody that's rich? Do you know anybody that's rich and you're like, they just don't do it right? So anybody, anybody know anybody that's rich? So me and my wife in the summer, we like to get on our bikes and we like to go ride up on Catawba Island. And they have the Catawba Country Club there with its yacht and its little golf course and all this stuff. And, and you know, we, we go up there and we ride around and we like to look and we see these people with their million dollar yachts and their hundred thousand dollar Mercedes. And, and then they're living in their multi-million dollar mansions and they go to the country club to eat their $50 steaks, you know. Thurston Hall III, and all of those people are there together. Yeah. And, and I, I go through there and I'm like, man, man, these people are rich. Right? Anybody ever feel that way? Looking at multi-million dollar houses, million-dollar yachts. I mean, come on. Their teenagers are driving cars that, that have labels I could never per- afford on a car, right? And I think they're rich. Yeah, there are some people in the world that think they're rich. You know what? And, and I naturally make the assumption I could do better at being rich than them. You know, if I were that rich, I would, I would be more generous with other people. And, and that's a load of horse hockey. Hold on just a second. Wait, just a second. Wait, just a second. Some of the most generous people I know are people that have more wealth because y'all ready for this? Sometimes. Sometimes God says, hey, you know what? Here's a faithful person. I'm going to give them more money, and they're more generous. So he says, hey, they take care of the money I give them. Why don't I give them a little bit more? And I know some people like that, that the richer they get, the more generous they become. So those of us that say that about rich people, maybe, maybe we're not, maybe our narrative is causing us to be jealous rather than truthful. Meddling command those who are rich. So are you rich? How many of you have more than one set of clothing? How many of you have a closet filled with clothing? (laughs) Yeah, you got clothes you don't wear hanging, right? So uh, do you know, I I was in Africa. I was in a a country with a guy, the five poorest countries in the world. I've spent time in four of them. And uh, it will change the way you view the world if you spend time with people that don't have anything. One of the guys that rode in the truck with us hadn't had a bath, and I can't even tell you how long he hadn't had a bath because he lived in a lean-to upside a building, and everything that he owned was in a lean-to upside someone else's building. He didn't even own it. It was just a couple of pieces of tin against the building, and he hadn't had a bath, and I can't tell you when, and he only had one change of clothes. And let me just tell you, riding in the truck with that guy was an experience all its own. But he only had... One pair of clothes, one, one, one set of clothes, huh? Do you know that if you have an average household income of $67,000 a year for your household, you are in the top 10% richest people in the world? That's right. did, did you know that if you have a total value, your total value of everything that you own, retirement house, cars, everything is over a hundred thousand, you're in like the top 6% of people in the world? Uh, How about this, many of you have a house for your car. Think about this, you have a house for your car. Now, I remember when I was first exposed to poverty for the first time and my heart was changed, it was on a missions trip, we went to Mexico and I hung out with a guy who worked all day at the, the, uh, the site with me building a church and he invited me home. So I went to his house and he lived in a box car and the box car had holes in the wall in between the slats and they had 13 people. His entire extended family lived in one box car because that's all they could afford. And I realized that my little 912 square foot house back home that we lived in the five of us, it wasn't quite as bad as 13 people living in a box car. I was probably, I was probably rich. By the way, that kid and his family were happier than I was. How many of you have ever done this? You've gone to the the refrigerator, you open it up and you pull out food you haven't eaten, and you have to throw it away because it's been sitting there too long. Anybody ever do that? Do you know if you do that, you're richer than at least 13.1% of the entire world. 13.1% of the world are starving to death because they do not have food to get through today. That's why we're going to do it one day to feed the world offering. We're going to give it to Convoy of Hope and we're going to try to bless Convoy of Hope because Convoy of Hope does feeding in those countries and we've actually fed some of those kids. It's cool to watch. And that's going to happen November 22nd. So, um, you know, five million children a year die from hunger and malnutrition. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you have more than one set of clothes? Do you have a house for your car? Do Do you have a net worth that is any value at all? Do do you have food that you throw away? If you have any of those things, guess what that makes you? Rich. So I'm told to command those who are rich. So who am I to give this command to? Oh, wow. Me. I'm to give it to me. So why don't you feel rich? The fact is you're rich, but you don't feel it. You know why you don't feel rich? Because you have no margin. Anybody ever do this? You ever get a raise and you already planned how you're going to spend your raise before the first paycheck ever hits? Anybody ever done that? If you do that, you don't have margin. And if you don't have margin, you will never feel rich because God wants you to live with margin where a rainy day actually has some funds for the rainy day. And the reason some of us don't feel rich is when it comes a rainy day, we have consumed everything God's given us because we didn't manage it the way he told us to. So... If we would manage it God's way, we would always have enough because God promises to give us our daily bread. Second thing is, we have wrong expectations. We have wrong expectations. We're looking at the people on Catawba Island saying, if I were like them, my life would be okay, rather than looking at the people like the guy who rode in the truck with me with the great aroma that hadn't had a bath in God knows when and only had one set of clothing and lived in a lean to propped up beside a building. We want to look this way, not this way, because we're jealous of them rather than being thankful of what God has given us. So we, ha- we don't handle it the right way and we don't have the right attitude, we have the wrong expectations. So that's why we have a problem when it comes to money. So when you hear the church only wants my money, what you're hearing is is we're trying to take something from you because deep in your heart, and you and I, we're not good people, we're greedy. And what I want to tell you is how we can kill this greed in our hearts. So there are three points I want to make. I want to give them from scripture. We're going to go fast. Are y'all ready to listen fast? Here we go. Number one. Oh, by the way, there's only one, one message today is money is spiritual. All of that's to set up money is spiritual. You think money is about money, but money's not about money. Money is about your heart because money is spiritual. All right. Number one, use of money reveals repentance. And there was this guy named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist showed up to be the forerunner to the person and ministry of Jesus. So he's here to prepare the way for Jesus. And when he comes to prepare the way for Jesus, he says: the word of God came to John Zechariah in the w- uh, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the country of the Jordan preaching. A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So, to get your sins forgiven and to repent and to be ready for Jesus, what do you need to do? You need to repent and receive the kingdom of God. So, people came to John the Baptist and they said, Well, how do we do this? What should we do then? Luke chapter 3, verse 10. Well, then, how do we do it, right? If I'm going to be prepared for Jesus, how do I do it? The crowd asked, John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should. Share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. These are really bad sinners. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? And he said, don't collect more than you're required, so don't be a thief. Hmm. He told... That's what he told him then some soldiers asked him. What should we do? And he said, well, don't exhort money Don't use your power to leverage control to take money and don't accuse people falsely be content with your pay Now if we're gonna prepare for Jesus to be the Lord of us and of the heavens and the earth John tells us three things we need to do number one share our money number two don't steal Anyone else's money? And number three, don't use our power to take money. Instead, be content with what God gives you. All three responses were about money. Money. Because money is a revelation of your heart. Because money is spiritual. So if you have problems hearing me say today, we're gonna talk about money, and you say, all the church wants is my money. All right, all right, all right, stop, stop. If you think all we want is your money, give it to another church. Just give it to another church. I don't care. Pick one. I'll, I'll give you a couple. You can give it to give it to them. If you think all I want is your money, I'm telling you to give, but give somewhere else. Why would I say that? Because I care about your heart. All right. Number two, money is the number one contender for your soul. Did you know that money is the number one contender for your soul? Jesus said this, uh, Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. No one can serve two masters. It is impossible to serve two masters It is impossible. You cannot serve two masters That's like a guy being married to two women. It would never work No one can serve two masters either You will hate the one you will love the other or you'll be devoted to one despise the other you can't do it Jesus said you can't do it and then he says you cannot serve and we expect them to say both God and Satan, right? Isn't that what you would think? You can't serve both God and Satan, but he doesn't say that. What does he say? You can't serve both God and? Why did he say that? Because the number one contender for your heart is money. The number one thing that leads you away is that you think money has power it doesn't have. You think money is able to give you things it cannot give you. So when you put money, when God wants control of your heart, you want money to give you control over your life. We'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. You know, this is the problem with the prosperity gospel. The problem, you will never hear me say, you will never hear me say, give a dollar and God will give you a hundred back. Hallelujah. So your seed of faith in Jesus will multiply it and bless you financially. I will never say that. You know, I'm not going to say that because God is not a vending machine that you put money in to get out stuff. Do you know what God is? God is Lord. And the reason you do things are because he is the Lord of your life. And he wants to bless you with fullness of life. And money is simply a way that you express what's in your heart. This prosperity gospel, it's a lie. It's a a lie. It's paganism rewrapped. You know what paganism is, right? I... Control the gods. There is whatever God there is and I give them the right thing so they will give me the right thing in return I control them by my right offering so they have to do what I tell them. That's not God. That's paganism I am submitted To the Lord my God and he tells me what to do and when I obey things go better with me And then I live the life that is truly the life But when I'm not submitted things go bad because God knows I'm stupid and when I do what I want to do I goof up what he wanted to be really good I I wish I had a way you know money is Amoral it does what you tell it to do this dollar bill right here this dollar bill could Can't buy me much buy me a I don't know Speedway, I can get a, a, a what, a 44-ounce hurt Speedway out of this buck, right? Yeah, I, I can put this dollar in and this dollar actually bought that material for those kids over in India and Bangladesh. One, one kid would have got material in the good news of Jesus. I could have got a Speedway. You know, I could also use this to, to I don't know, roll up and snort coke through, right? I could use this to help you put in the girl's g-string at a, a whatever they call those places this dollar is not right or wrong this dollar does what I tell it to do what I make it do money is not right or wrong what it is is your view of money is that you will either worship money or you will worship God you cannot serve them both it will either go your worship will either go to God or it will go to money period so now, let me look at the command, what Paul says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Do not place your hope in money. Don't place your hope in money. The American way is to get all you can, can all you get, then sit down on your can until you die. <laughs> but the scriptures make three statements that, that are to you and I to tell us how to live regarding money. Number one, placing your hope in wealth is unwise said in 1 Timothy six seventeen, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth. You don't put your hope in wealth because it is so uncertain. It, it, does anybody remember 2008? Does anybody remember that? The world's going long, gas prices were about what they were right now. You remember that? And then all of a sudden they bumped up gas prices to four bucks a gallon. Does anybody remember that? We go from two to four and my gas bill like doubled immediately. Well, when my gas bill doubled, you know what I didn't have? I didn't have the ability to spend it on other stuff. So I didn't spend on other stuff, but some people didn't do that and they continued to spend and they went into more debt and then the housing bubble crashed. And when the housing bubble crashed, my goodness, then we have uh, a 10.6% unemployment and people are losing their houses left and right. And the whole world just collapses financially. And and I know people that had uh, a retirement. Bill Built up and they had less than half their retirement within three months, right? Money goes away. Money goes away because if you put your hope in finances or wealth or your stock market or the things you own, it could go away in a moment. Um, we, uh, we had a scenario like this. We bought my, uh, one of my kids, we bought him a car and uh, buy this car. And, you know, I I wasn't well acquainted with the process. And I called the insurance company and I said, hey, we just bought this car. We'd like insurance on it. Well, I never did the second follow-up car call. I never did the second call, you know, where you give them the VIN number and they did all that. And, um, five months and 25 days later, this car, uh, there's a truck at a stoplight and this car runs into the back of it about five mile an hour They hit their brakes and mostly stopped, but they were stopped by the bumper of the truck in front of them I, I arrive in the scene that just happened right outside my house I went out I, I got went up and saw him. Everybody's fine. Everybody's walking around uh, You know the first question every dad asks when he pulls up that situation is everybody All right. Yeah, and everybody's fine. Everybody's having a talk. Well the dad the dad of the driver of the truck and his son are talking on the phone. And at 30 seconds after they get off the phone, uh, both him and the girl in that truck are in the truck going, oh, our necks hurt. Call the ambulance. Rear-ended. Uh, come to find out. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> this was a pattern for them. So anyway, they went to the hospital. Oh, we're hurt. We're hurt. We eventually get a lawsuit against us. So, you know, what you do immediately is I, I call the insurance company, right? But what did I forgot to buy? Insurance. insurance. So, in just a couple of moments, thousands of dollars, no, not thousands, not even tens of thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars would be gone from my world. Bankruptcy, everything, gone. One second. One second. Let me tell you something. I've worked my entire life to pay my bills and to be on time and I was not happy. You know, you can get sick, you have a sickness, something happens, I don't, I don't care what it is, something happens and in one moment everything that you've invested in can be gone. Did you know that? But I serve a God who is bigger than the happenings of this world. Because of all the insurance companies in the world, I just happened to have the one insurance company that had a six month grace period And we were five days before the grace period ran out. And they just happened to be retroactive. And then the, the insurance company fought it for years and paid the, the lawyer's fees and all those things. Come on, you think God didn't know what was going to happen and cover my stupid brain? Five days later, I am dead broke with nothing declaring bankruptcy because I couldn't afford anything. But... God in his sovereignty had prepared a path of protection because if you trust in money, it can all go away. But I serve a God who knows everything that's going to happen before it's happened, and he can prepare a path through for you. So this, yeah, one more thing. If you you think that everything you're investing in is so important, I want to show you this picture. Me and my wife had an opportunity to go to Corinth. And Corinth was a town that they were new rich people and they started super duper duper investing and they built Apollo's temple up there and they built business. All of those were businesses and they were all the nicest, best buildings in town. By the way, look at them now. Do you know everything you're investing in, in a thousand years, you know what it's going to look like? If that good, because you built out of wood, it ain't going to last that long. What's going on? Why do we spend so much time investing in things that don't last rather than investing in things that are eternal and trusting God for things that are useful? Second of all, God is our provider. First Timothy 6:17. command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides. You know, everything you have comes from God. Everything you have comes from God. Everything comes from you. Let me give you a few verses. There are hundreds of these in the Bible. A few verses. First Chronicles 29, 14. Everything comes from you. And we've only given what comes from your hand. Who's the provider? God. Y'all can participate. Who's the provider? God. All right. Deuteronomy 8, 18. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Who's the one that gives us what we need to produce wealth? God. How about this one James uh, 117 every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father who gives you every good thing in your life Then why is it that we look to money and stuff to provide what only God can provide Everything you have comes from God your brains come from God. Did you come on before you were born you just chose your IQ? You chose it. Yeah No No, you didn't. You didn't have that power. Before you were born, you chose your physique, you know, the body that would be able to do the work. Some of you can work with your hands. You people amaze me. I don't know how you do it, how you can take a car engine or or a, a piece of wood and make it actually work. I don't understand you people. You're amazing. You have a body like that. God gave you that, but you didn't give it to yourself. God gave it to you. Oh, yeah. So you didn't give yourself your brains to be able to do your job or your body to be able to do your job. You know what? You didn't. I know you just sat there and you chose to live in America. Right. You're like before you were ever born, you're like, I'm going to be born to this woman in that neighborhood in America so I can live in the richest country in the world, have all these blessings. You chose that, right? No, you didn't. Everything you have comes from God, even the things that you take for granted, Everything you have comes from God, even the things you take for granted. And, and what God says is he does not want you to be the owner of these things. He wants you to be the manager. Because if at any moment God wants to take any of those things away, he can do it. And I can take you to a lot of the scriptures that show that God is able to take those things away. Right? Just ask Ananias and Sapphira. We're going to lie to God. Oh, you're dead. Boom. There you go. Now that would cause revival in a church service right there. All right, so 1 Peter 4.10 says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We are simply to be what? We're to be stewards of God's grace. That means, you know what a steward does? A steward takes care of what somebody else gives them. It's not theirs. All right, let's speed this up. Last one. God wants you to enjoy the blessings of this life. First Timothy 617, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy your life. When God asks you to treat money a certain way, he's not trying to steal something from you. He's actually trying to put something into you. Do you know that God's view is that if he thinks you need it, he will give it to you. Anybody in the room ever fantasize about winning the lottery? I'm the only one, I'm sure. You know, I drive down the road, it's like 217 million. I'm like, oh, what can I do with that? Anybody ever think like that other than me? Yeah. So I'm driving down the road and you know, when, if I ever win the lottery, it will truly be a miracle because I've never paid a single penny to the lottery in my life and I will never do it. Because a lottery is just a tax on people who are really bad at math. (laughs) Just like casinos are a tax on people who think their entertainment is losing their monthly wages. Sorry. (laughs) They built those great casinos, those huge casinos, brilliant, beautiful buildings. They built them on all the money they pay out to all you winners. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. Anybody ever fantasize about winning the lottery? What would I do if I had the lottery? What would I do? Oh, I'd buy this. I'd go there. I'd do this. I'd do, I'd do this. You, do you know what you'd do if you, if you won the lottery? Do you know what you're going to do? You're going to go broke and you're going to be miserable. You know how I know that? Just look at everybody that's ever won the lottery. Do you know why? Because you're thinking about how you can spend it on yourself And God says he's already given you what you need so you can enjoy life. If you get more than that, you won't be able to enjoy it because you'll be preoccupied with something else. God's given you what you need for your enjoyment. And if, I'll go back to, do you know why? Do you know why you don't feel that you're enjoying life and you're financially stable and all that kind of stuff? Because you're not handling money the way God says. You're not doing two things. You're not managing it his way. So you're not reaping the blessings of it. And you have the wrong mentality. You think that more stuff will make you happy when God says that actually serving and giving and loving is what makes you happy. You, you're trying to do it the wrong way. So God's way is very simple. So I, I need somebody younger who will give me a couple of seconds of your time and come up here. I have an illustration and I need somebody younger to come up. You don't, you, I'm talking 30s or below because anybody 30 and below with enough boldness to come up. And, oh, I got one coming. No, no, Andrew's... He's, he's on the worship team. He's going to get in his right position. Come on, come on. Just come on up. Come on up. Good. Good. I've already had COVID, so I'm not going to get it or spread it. So we're good. We can see your face up here. Okay. All right. So yeah, I survived. Don't tell anybody. All right. Now I have $10, $1 bills in my hand, $10, $1 bills. All right. I'm going to give them to you. They're going to be yours. You can do anything you want to with them. They're yours. Okay. All right, there you go, have fun. Hey, w- would you mind, just showing some respect, would you mind giving me one of those back? Okay, thank you, thank you. Now, was she, was I stealing from her? Was I stealing from her? Was I stealing from you? No. Why didn't I steal from you? Because I gave it to you willingly. Yeah, but, but who gave you all that? Yeah. <laughs> all right, so I asked nothing of you except that you share this one back with me just as a way of saying, thanks. So thank you. go take your money. Go. Bye. Have fun. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) See what you get for volunteering. You get nine bucks just for hanging out. All right. So, all right. All right. Yeah, there you go. She can go eat Chipotle. I don't care. Do whatever you want to with it. Do you know what this is called? What just happened right there? That's what, it's called, in the Bible, the word that's used is tithing, and it's percentage giving. What you do is, God gives you, and he asks you to give a percentage back. Now, who gives you everything in the first place? We've already talked about this. Who gives you everything? God. So if he asks for something back, is he being mean to you? Is he trying to steal something from you? No, he could just not give it to you in the first place. Right? Right? but he chooses to get. So why then, then, when you hear things about tithing, do you get an attitude? By the way, do you know that the first part of living a blessed life, the first part of living a blessed life just happened right there? Do you know what? She took the first two steps toward documented success in business, in your personal life, documented success. It's been documented over and over again. Do you know how you know if a person's going to be successful? If they have a budget, do you know what's required? If you have a budget, you have to figure out how much you got And then you have to plan what you're going to do with it. And the first plan, the first plan is to recognize God. So God put in the very living of the Bible, he put how you and I could live blessed lives by you first have to figure out what you make and then you have to figure out your percentage that you're going to give. And all he asks is that he's the first that you give to. This is a guarantee of success. It's a business guarantee (laughs) Having a written record of gold is the best predictor of success. So God asking you to do that very simple transaction, figure out what you make, figure out what you're going to give to him first is is a figuring out of life that will actually put you on the road to success and will actually help you live on less than you make. God's plan works. There's so much I want to say, but let's just skip it. Man, come on out, we're gonna do this, y'all ready? A couple years, oh, one, one scripture verse, 1 Corinthians 16, two, and then we're done, I'll tell you a story. On the first day of every week, first day of the week is what, priority. Who, God is always first, right? On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. That's called percentage giving. And there's some of you, there's no way right now you can percentage give to a tithe, all right? Then do yourself a favor. I'm asking you, I'm commanding you, figure out what you make and take a percentage. I don't care what the percentage is, take a percentage and give it to God first. When you get your paycheck, give it to God first. Just do it as an act of faith. Do it as a starting point. And please don't let 10% be the ending because one of these days you're going to be given 12, 15, 20%. You're going to be having more money than you ever knew you had before because you're living under the principle and blessing of God. But start with a percentage. I don't care if it's half of 1%, start somewhere. Give it first and give it as a percentage. Give it as priority, give it as a percentage. So several years ago, one of our kids was in college and it came time for the, actually it was the spring semester after Christmas. And I put put it on because we got a break if we paid it in full and we got a break if we paid it uh, by credit card. So we put it on credit card and we paid the whole spring semester on credit card. And I thought we had the money budgeted for it. Y'all know, anybody ever been there? You think, you think? And uh, so anyway, I sat down to pay the bills and come to find out Christmas had hit me a little lower than it normally does, which is part of the reason I'm Grinch. And then this bill and I was $2,000 short to pay everything the way I wanted to, 2,000 short. And I, you know, we had the money, I would just have to go to another account somewhere stuck far away so I'd never touch it. But we had the money if I absolutely had to, but I didn't want to have to. And I'm like, we're $2,000 short, we don't have $2,000 to make the month. Anybody ever been there? And I remember, I remember it was a day, it was a seminal day in my life, I'm sitting downstairs and I'm paying the bills and the first bill I always pay is my Tide check. It's the first one I pay. So I sit down, I wrote the Tide check. And I remember thinking, I don't have enough money to pay this bill, but I'm paying this much to the church. Have You ever think that? <laughs> yeah, there I was. I can't do this. And here I am doing this. And, and then something came in me. And I said, no, God, you're God. I'm not. You are. And I took that tie check. I ripped it out. I put it down there on the counter. I slapped my hand on the, the table where I was paying the bills. And I said, Jesus, I submit to you. Devil, take this. You don't own me. And within that week, nobody should have done this. But within that week, out of sources that we would never expect it, we got $2,100 before that week was up. Now, God not only paid it, but he gave me an extra hundred bucks. Oh, come on. Now, some of you will never know a miracle like that. You know why you will never know a miracle like that? Because you expect money to pay your bills rather than trusting God. So you would know a miracle if it bit you in the butt you would know a miracle because you're never stepping out in faith. And money is spiritual. When you follow God and you do the right things, it is up to God to take care of it. And you know what? If God wouldn't have come through with that 2100s, I still would be saying today, take that devil every time I write my tie check because I learned a lesson that God is God and money is not my God, but God is my God and I'm going to serve and worship him because that is the blessed life. That is the blessed life. I'm not responsible. God is. That's a blessed life. So I'd like you to stand with me and I want you to sing this song. How do you prove your repentance? How do you prove your faith? Take God at his word. Make giving a priority and make it a percentage. Don't give it to kingdom builders. Give it to tithes. Why do you do that? Because that's how God says to do it. Percentage, priority. Figure out what you make. Figure out what percentage you're going to give. Do it as an act of faith and watch God come through for you.